morning, everyone. If we have not had the opportunity to meet, I'm Donald Johnson, and I serve as the lead pastor for Life Church Auburn Hills. And this is that's where your pastor, uh, Mike Rice, is. He's ministering there today, and I'm here. You heard of Wife Swap? This is <laughs> Pastor Swap, 2022 edition. Again, I'm down there all. Our church, we're a church plant, and I'm, I'm very glad and just thank God because we celebrated our three-year anniversary on the 21st. Three years. Yeah. 18 months of that was primarily virtual. We celebrated, again, our one-year anniversary on Zoom. Yeah, we were like, we made it. You're on mute. <laughs> Yeah, last week we kicked off this series, um, one, actually we celebrated Easter uh, around the globe, and locally we kicked off this new series, and we were looking and examining the power of the resurrection, and also the implications of the resurrection, and I want to attest to you today that Jesus did not come, live among us, go to the cross, die, and rise from the dead to put us in a static, routine religion. No, what he did was to enable us and empower us to be in a rich, dynamic relationship. In fact, Jesus' resurrection, it tells us goodbye to religion. And before you throw rocks or anything like that, and isn't this the church? Yes, it is. But this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about what uh, James, Jesus' brother, said. That is re religion that Jesus accepts, God accepts uh, the vulnerable, uh, looking out for the widows and the fatherless. He's not, we're not talking about that. Here's our working definition that we're working with. Religion is interactions that we have with God that are based on principles. They are based on principles that God doesn't mean for us to interact with him through. Some of those things are, they're performance driven. Uh, I would say even laced sometimes with superstition. And they're actually hurting us and preventing us from being in that rich dynamic relationship with God and with one another. Here are four marks of religion that we've identified. Marker number one is sin and shame. If the relationship, if your relationship with God is characterized by sin and shame, if you feel like you're unworthy, if you feel like you've messed up and you cannot come to God, then you're being limited by religion. But Jesus' resurrection tells us goodbye to sin and shame. Marker two is select groups. If you think there are insiders and outsiders, if you think that there's a particular person or persons that you have to go through in order to access God, then friends, you are being limited by religion. But Jesus' resurrection empowers us to say goodbye to select groups. Marker three are sacred places. If you believe that a certain, you have to be in a certain place in order to come in contact with God, then, my friends, you're being limited. You're being limited by 
religion and Jesus, his resurrection. His resurrection is telling us that we can say goodbye to sacred places. And if your walk with God is based on a list of do's and don'ts, and you're checking and making sure, am I still your son? Am I still your daughter? You are being limited by suffocating lists through religion. And Jesus' resurrection, it empowers us to say goodbye to suffocating lists. Now, this may sound petty. I'm going to talk to you about select groups, but this one I'm about to share with you may sound a little petty, but for me, the, there's nothing that kind of shows you about select groups more than being at the airport. Anybody been to the airport recently? And immediately you find out based on your status, you find out you will have to wait uh, longer lines than some others. And I was with uh, a said person. And I'm not going to call out Alan Tumpkin, who is <laughs> the director of church planting for the Great Lakes Conference. I'm not going to call him out, but I was with, uh, traveling with someone um, <laughs> who's in a different class. I'm going to just tell you that. And I'm thinking that he was going to vouch for me, you know, to get in the shorter line or what have you. But that did not happen. Unfortunately, he said, I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> but he kind of redeemed himself because once I got over the other side, I found out that there was this place called the Sky Club that I had no clue about. In fact, it's like this door. You think it's a wall, and it's like, oh, there's a door. You can, there's special access that, that he had. And on, when you get on the inside, there, there's snacks, and there's food, and there's all types of stuff that's free because it comes, it comes with the select group. And if that wasn't enough, Brothers and sisters, when you get to the gate, they still show you that they're select groups. This, to me, is the dumbest sign ever. Sky priority and general boarding. It's the same space. The same space. I mean, is it right or left? I'm like, come on. And, you know, the, I won't say rebel in me, but... I want to just step over on the other, other side. Like, really? You're going to stop me? <laughs> I remember on another instance where I was actually able to, I was in my seat, uh, 99Z, and, uh, <laughs> and I was traveling with, uh, I was in the back. I was traveling with, I was traveling with a, a CEO and she actually interceded for me. She was doing intercession, and she was in first class, and the lady comes up, or the stewardess comes back, rather, and she says, hey, um, Mr. Johnson? I'm like, yeah, that's me. And she said, hey, there's a seat in first class for you, you know, because of, of my friend, the CEO, who was traveling with me. And I started walking past the peasants. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Passengers, I'm sorry, I was walking about a 
and, and my whole mindset that's just changed because it was as if I deserved this special access. And the reason I, I shared it with you because I believe some of us, we feel like access to God is just like that too. There are some of us who are in select groups. Some of you may feel like you have greater access and others don't. There are insiders and there's outsiders. And some of you are riding first class with God and everybody else is in coach. You feel like you may deserve it or you don't deserve it. And some of us are actually sitting in the seat of pride, thinking that you paid your dues while others of us, we are carrying extra luggage and being taxed and burdened by life for extra or excess baggage, not understanding that that has been paid for. Today, I'm going to share some vital information with you. This is life-changing information that if you, if you believe, if you leave this place believing this, you will never again have to guess where you fit where you land with God. You don't have to worry about if you're in or if you're out because Jesus' resurrection empowers us again to say goodbye to select groups. And when we understand our position in Christ, we will then realize our proximity with God. Let's take a moment and pray, and then I want to deal with the problem, the process, and then the provision regarding access to God. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity you've given us. Thank you for these amazing people that are here today. We ask that you would open our eyes, Lord, so we can see, Lord God, what it is you're doing. Open our ears so we can hear what you're saying and open our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of, uh, let's talk about the problem. One of the main characteristics that we know about God is that he is holy. He is the God of all creation. There is none like him nowhere. He's holy, he's pure, he's all goodness. And another aspect of God is that he is very relational, very relational. And see, this is the problem because we are all messed up. All of us, and if you don't believe me, you can ask your spouse. <laughs> you, we're all messed up. We all have issues. Now, God being a holy God and a relational God who wants to relate with his creation, how does he mediate this gap? How does he uh, work within this relationship? And the Old Testament shares with us how he created uh, these people. He called these people uh, to follow him. And then he gave them uh, this tabernacle. And I'm not going to get into detail, but the tabernacle is, is beautiful because he's trying to let us know this is how to mediate this relationship because I really want to be with you. And you can actually read in Exodus chapter 25 through 40, you can read that. Please take notes, because I'm going to share several scriptures with you. Take notes. Uh, how can we be in relationship with God? And he gives them this prescribed order, these, this place, this gate, the court. There's a, a bronze altar there, a bronze laver. 
and he's, uh, we, we have this, the, and this outer court in this tabernacle, and then there's this inner court that's comprised of two different spaces. Now, with the inner court, you have this holy place, and then you have the most holy place, or the holies of holy. And as you progress in this tabernacle, things are more costly. It comes, goes from acacia wood to wood that's overlaid with gold. And it puts you in the mind that I am literally approaching the presence of God. And this is what happened. There are three different types of people, the Levites, who had access. They were like the singers and administrators. And then you had priests who's responsible for representing God and representing the people. And then you had the high priest, the high priest who his responsibility was to go into the most holy place. But he can only do that once a year. And before you even enter the most holy place, there's this huge veil, some to believe 60 feet in height, four inches thick, that you would have to go between. And this high priest can only enter there once a year, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. But when Jesus died on the cross, something remarkable happened. And Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, he documented, listen to what happened in Matthew 27, verse 50, 53. It says, and when Jesus had cried out, and we talked about this last When Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up the spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain was torn in two. The earth shook. It was earth shattering. The rock split and the tomb broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs. This was after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. This veil, this barrier between God and man. And there's a temple. Actually, there are a couple of images that we'll show you. There's a temple um, because after the tabernacle, Solomon created this temple, built this temple that was exactly uh, in the form of the tabernacle, after the pattern of the tabernacle, where this holy place and the most holy place but that veil when Jesus died was split open from top think about that 64 inches thick torn open what does this really mean because brothers and sisters the tabernacle the temple were just shadows let's take a deeper look what this means Hebrews 9 24 through 26 it says for Christ did not enter a sanctuary that was made by human hands. That was only a copy. That was a copy of the true one. I'm going to get excited here. He entered heaven itself. Not to copy. He went into heaven and appeared for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest entered the most holy place 
every year with blood that is not their own. It's the blood of bulls and goats, lambs. No, he says, but he appeared once for all at the culmination of all ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let that sink in. What an act of grace. Not the symbol that was pointing to Jesus, but Jesus actually went into heaven himself. Itself. And not with the blood of a bull or goat, but with his own precious blood. And it says, for us. Hmm. Question is now, are we trusting God? Or what are we even trusting God or trusting to have this level of access? This passage right here is telling us that we have this direct access with God because of Jesus. Do you think for a moment that our own works could get us that access? No. But the question is, does this apply to us? Does this apply to us in the room today? Because there's another problem. This message was to the children of Israel, to the Jews who God called out from the beginning. He gave them the promise. They were the ones that had the seal. In fact, they had the laws and statutes. They were the ones that were giving access to. And Moses, he was pleading with the people to follow God. In fact, in Deuteronomy 4, 7, he's telling the people, he says, what other nation? Look around. What other nation has their God as close to them as our God is to us? When we pray, what other nation has laws? We don't have to guess about our relationship. God's letting us know there's no superstition. He's letting you know what it requires, which is an act of grace. But that level of access was not given to them just for them. He was just not trying to get to them, but he was trying to get this message of hope through them. And see, God was revealing that for that purpose, to get this message through. And he reminded them, and this is not new. Some people think, oh, man, this multi-ethnic thing, this is a new thing. Wrong answer. This was from the beginning. This is what he promised Abraham, to be a father of many nations. And in fact, this is what the prophet was reminding Isaiah 56, uh, 49, verse 6. This is what he said. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant? Is it too small for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel? He says, I have helped. But listen to this. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. I will make you. You are to be a light. You are to represent me to the point where you are showing the world a community that is motivated and driven by love. This is who you are supposed to be, Israel. And here's the reason why. So my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. People from everywhere. All nations will hear how gracious I am, how loving I am, how slow to anger I am, how forgiving I am. This amazing message of hope was delivered for 
every nation that tells us goodbye, select groups. Paul reflecting on this, listen to what he says here in Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body of human hands. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You were excluded, were excluded, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. Without hope and without God, you had no hope and no God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those of us who were far off have been brought in proximity. Hmm. See, they, the children of Israel, they, 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 they forgot their assignment. They began to think it was all about them. And here's some evidence that displays the Jews' attitude toward those that were far off, the outsiders. There's this wall of separation, and this stone is actually in Israel's museum. And it's the Greek letters said, no foreigner may enter the balustrade around the sanctuary and the enclosure. Whoever is caught on him shall be put blame for the death that will ensue. Only select groups can go so far. And you're going to hear more about the temple next week. But only select groups can go so far. But listen to what uh, Paul explains about Jesus' resurrection. He says, for himself, Jesus, he is our peace. And he made two groups, one. And he destroyed, destroyed the barrier, destroyed the barrier, the, the dividing wall of hostility, he destroyed it. It says, by setting aside in his flesh the laws with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. Out of the two, thus he made peace. This is what Jesus has done for us, brothers and sisters. This was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, our little issues that we have now, there's no comparison to the, what, what the, the Jews had with the Gentiles, those who were clean and those who were unclean. It is no comparison, but Jesus, the Bible says, in one body to reconcile them both through to God through the cross by which to put to death their hostility. He put to death the hostility. Why are we resurrecting what God put to death? Why are we letting things get in our way that God actually put to death? The cross was just not vertical, but it also had a horizontal element for you and I. He came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, he said, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit, And as a result of Jesus' resurrection, right now, everyone, everywhere, regardless of your ethnic group, regardless of your social class, regardless of your gender, we can enter into a rich relationship with God. We have access.
access granted. Y'all just missed a good place to give God some praise. We have access. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He became the mediator. His body was the actual tabernacle, the true tabernacle. And and how are we to respond to this as we prepare to close here? Hebrews 10, 19. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we have confidence now. Why? Not by your own merit, but by the blood of Jesus. We have confidence, and it says, by a new and a living way open for us through the curtain that is the body. And since we have a great high priest or great priest who is over the house of God, Here are three things that I want to share with you. Having this confidence, knowing that what grants us access is not us, but Jesus. What an act of grace. And the writer here is saying, knowing this, then this is three things we should do. Number one, come boldly. Come boldly, because it's not on your merit. We don't do right to become right we do right because we have been made right and so we can come boldly listen to what verse 22 says let us draw near to God with a sincere heart with the full assurance full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water Jesus, the sacrifice, if the blood of bulls and goats in the old covenant, if it suffice, can you imagine the precious blood, the pure blood of Jesus? We could come boldly. The next thing is to hold firmly. Verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess to the hope that we have that's in Jesus. It is not, again, in anything else. The only way, the only reason I have access is because of Jesus, and I'm holding on to that hope. When there are voices in my head telling me I'm not worthy, telling me I haven't earned, I haven't flown enough, I don't have enough mileage, no. It's the precious blood of Jesus that gives me access, and I'm going to hold on to that faithful promise. The last thing is to love fervently. And verse 24 said, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. We are to encourage and push each other in the realm of loving one another. And I'm not talking about this superficial love, but sacrificial love where you can cross boundaries, cross borders, or whatever you have to do to get People, connect people with God, showing them who he is, showing them. Just think about it. If you were the only representative of Christ, what would you be telling them about God's love? What message would you be giving them about his love? Do you allow disappointment or disagreement or differences to stop your love? This is what we need to be motivated by love. And lastly, this. This is the inspiration that we have And Jesus, not only did he make us a a, a 
recipient, but he also called us to be representatives. We are now priests. Every last one of you, you have access. You represent God to the people and the people to God. You have access. You have been granted. And this is what Peter says, and we're going to pray. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he says this. This is who you are, but you, 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 you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is who you are, God's special possession, that you, this is the reason why, this is the reason why, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. He called you out of the muck, the mire. He called you out of the mess so you can declare, so you can become a broadcast center of his love. He called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we are not a people, but now he said, you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy. At one time you did not have access, but now you receive his mercy. So if you're here and, and you're not sure if you have access, Ben, you can prepare to come. If you're not sure you have access, I want you to know that it is because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice that he gave, that he made, presenting himself to God, presenting his own blood through the veil that was torn, his body, for you and I. So never again will we have to doubt where we stand with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your amazing grace, your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, that you look beyond our fault and you see our need. And we're asking you in this moment, if there's one here, Lord, that have not put their trust and confidence in you, Lord, that today they'll make that choice to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I give you my life. And Lord, for those who have already made that decision, I pray that we will live into the reality of what you came here for, what you lived among us, what you died and rose for. In Jesus' name, amen.